0: it's David Warren. Thanks again for joining me. This is the Authentic Dad podcast, episode six, I believe. Starting to lose count here. The Authentic Dad podcast is where we inspire fathers to live an authentic, grounded, passionate life that connects them to themselves, their children, their relationships, so they can have a deeper impact in the world. Today, I'm joined by Scott Willard. Scott is a really fascinating guy. He is a former executive coach kind of transitioned into coaching for non-executives. And he coaches uh, men on congruency, living a congruent life, congruent leadership, spirituality. We talk a lot about expressing emotions, particularly anger. We talk about what it means to be congruent, congruent leadership. Really enjoyed it. I hope you do too. Please uh, reach out, say hi, further.coach. F-U-R-T-H-U-R dot coach. Further coaching on TikTok and also on Instagram. Also have a Facebook page. And I do this 30-minute free discovery call session. If you need support, if you're a father, I would love to hear from you. Please consider a download, a five-star review. It really helps. I want to spread the word, spread the message. Really passionate about what I'm doing here. Thanks for listening and we will see you on the other side. Hey, I'm here with Scott Willard. He's the founder of Lead Well Pacific. It's a consulting and leadership coaching practice. And he believes congruent leaders are those that integrate the professional, personal, and spiritual aspects of their lives, creating flow, energy, and power to impact and influence their success. And we'll talk more about that, but he also has uh, four fur kids, two dogs, two cats, and... He lives uh, somewhere out there in Washington State, and he's got a new podcast called Congruence, where faith and business come together. Fascinating guy. Scott, thank you so much. Welcome to the Authentic Dad podcast.
1: David, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited. I really am. This is awesome.
0: So tell me a little bit about your journey. I mean, as I said, you had this consulting firm, where it sounds like you were doing a lot of executive consulting coaching, and then you had this shift somewhere along the line where you created this thing, um, called congruence. And that is, that is a different animal. Tell me, tell me it, how you, landed,
1: it, where you are now. It is a different animal but you know, to talk about lead. Well, let me go back just, just a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my career has been, uh, 20 plus years in, uh, mental health and substance abuse counseling, and uh, led to, to administrating uh, treatment agencies and county mental health departments. And so I took a job in uh, rural Eastern Oregon. And uh, I was like, this, this is, this is as close as you can get, you know, we've, we've got about 1200 people in this city, and that's it. How do you build a business with 1200 people? And that's, that's it. And about the same time, I, I started really getting unhappy about the results that we were seeing in our counseling. And so two things really converged. I uh, I had a friend that I went to graduate school with that had a a life coaching firm. And I just, was like, you know, I wonder if, if, what she's doing in life coaching and the focus on positive psychology and the fact that it's so distance based if i could take both of those things back home what difference would it make Mm -hmm. and so that's what i did i i took 20 of our staff uh i got support of our ceo actually our ceo of the agency went through the training with us uh it was a full uh training that uh you know, would later be credentialed by a, a, a national accreditation board. And uh, I just, I fell in love with the elements of, instead of just talk about your mother, right. <laughs> let's let's talk about here and now. How, how are we gonna cope today and how are we gonna move forward? And so that was really the beginning and it, it became this huge thing because, not because of coaching per se, but because of the impact of life coaching and the culture that it created on our organization. And then the other side was that the experiment with distance-based services led to us being a very early adopter of uh, telepsychiatry. And so we were doing uh, psychiatry to keep blinked out there for a minute because somebody tried to call me and I'm sorry about that we we were doing psychiatry with people from all over the Northwest uh, we had therapists that were doing therapy with people uh, within the range and scope of their license throughout the Northwest it was it was huge and uh, what came out of that the ties to lead well is the fact that mm-hmm. I I really just gravitated to to two different missions one mission was that of thinking creatively and creating uh you know just taking wild crazy ideas and making them happen Mm -hmm. and so that that tied into the the organizational development side uh and system renewal side of of my brain and the other thing that happened was i just i really enjoyed taking those 20 people through the program and the mentoring and the coaching, and so I put those two together, and uh, that became Leadwell Pacific.
0: So you're integrating. It sounds like a lot of different modalities. There was the counseling, and then you saw um, positive psychology, how that had an impact. And if you don't mind, for those who don't know that term, because I think it's. I think it's been around longer than we think, but now it's become very, very prominent. I believe it was a kind of coined by Martin Seligman. How would you describe what positive psychology
1: is? Well, positive psychology really is looking at the neuroscience uh, that happens when you are spending your time and your energy focused on the positive. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when uh, some people in the business world remember when strength finders came out, right? Mm -hmm. So strength finders was huge. It's like, if I, if I spend 80 to 90% of my time and energy on what works, what I'm good at and don't worry so much about that other Mm -hmm. 10 to 20% that I'm not good at all ships rise. And what I find is that I, I am much more successful because my time and my energy are gaining momentum in a positive trajectory, and when we apply that to life, we have us we have the same, uh, we have the same thing. When when I talk about the fact that uh, I got up out of bed, mm-hmm. I got a shower, I made the bed, I got clean clothes on, and and I had a nutritious breakfast. When I focus on everything that is possibly right in my world, it's so much easier to walk away from what level of depression that may be. In the background, in my head, and it it allows us as we focus on the positive to change over time the neurochemistry in our brain to to truly uh, increase those those neurons and electrons that are firing off in a positive way, increasing dopamine and serotonin that are allowing for us to uh, to experience joy and happiness in our lives instead of being stuck. Talking about everything that's so bad and negative and depressing, and oh my god, when uh-huh. I spend all my time there, of course I'm going to be depressed. I mean, it I looks would like imagine- you want to say
0: something. No, I was just <laughs> say I would imagine that talking about your mother has its place, right? Our yeah, character, sure. In future, but what you're saying is, I think, when I was in college, I, I took a class. It, I don't think that term even existed yet. It was called humanistic psychology, and mm-hmm. it was very much about Maslow and the hierarchy of needs and growth right. orientation. And that is the thing I think that resonated with me the most. Let's not pathologize. Let's see how we can grow because in the context of organizations and executives, they probably don't want to talk about their mother. I
1: Exactly. <laughs> right. They, they want to talk about where we're at today. And it seems like we've got some stuck spots. We've got some places where uh, we just, you know, we've, we've developed strategic plans to the degree that we're just going crazy, it, and it doesn't seem like we're, we're able to, to fix that. And when, we, when we're able to, to step back from the failure and the stuckness of those plans and really look at the, the talents and the strengths that come from the, the individuals within our organization, and the, the why of who we are as an organization, why we were here in the first place, and then bring in the, the factor of our customers and the experience that we want them to have while we're working together. When we can loop all those three things in and get distanced from what failures and what blockages we may have had with a strategic plan, we're, we're able to create a plan that really honors who and what we are and the destiny and the vision that we have for who we want to become tomorrow. And so that's what I see happening in the organizational world. I love that.
0: And if you don't mind, I want to read this part of your, of your bio that I love. It says Scott believes that congruent leaders are those that integrate the professional, personal, and spiritual aspects of their lives, creating flow, energy, and power to impact and influence their success. The congruent leader defines success as lives transformed, giving new meaning to terms like emotional intelligence, return on investment, and return on relationship. Can you imagine the lives and world around you transformed? You have the power, just change you. I love that paragraph. How would you define congruency in business world, in your personal life? I love that. I love that word. What, what does it mean to
1: you? Well, first of all, I don't think that there's a significant difference. When you're, when you're talking about congruency, that's the whole thing, right? right. It, there isn't a different you that shows up in the boardroom than the you that left the bedroom, right? That's you, the point, right? Yeah. It's, it's all about authenticity. It's uh, about integrity. It's about truly knowing who and what you are at your core, owning it and being real and living it out in the relationships and the circles that you influence. And uh, as, a, as a very spiritual person, I, I see it tied and very connected to that, that part of ourselves that is spiritual as well. And that as we grow in that spirituality, uh, it it we see these uh, concentric circles to start rippling out, right? And so where where I experience joy and peace and happiness, uh, and I start allowing that joy and peace and happiness to come out in my relationships at work, you see an impact on the people that you're working with, and it's it it's almost like it's contagious, and. Mm-hmm. The, the coolest thing is when that ripple effect impacts your customers yeah. and your customers, the experience that they have interacting with your business impacts them to such a degree that they are, are coming into a more conscious contact with that joy, that peace, that happiness. And now it's not just, go down to Dave's because he's got the best hardwood, the best hardware, the best product, the best, you name it. It's go down to Dave's because I don't know what it is about whenever, whenever I go down to Dave's, I, I feel at mm-hmm. home. I feel good when I, when I hang out with those people. Yes, I end up spending more money because I feel good and I don't really feel like I just gotta get in and get out. But uh, yeah. I like Dave's because it's just, I feel good when I'm there. Right. It, It's it's a cool effect, and I really do think that congruence is, uh, is the key. That
0: totally resonates. I mean, I'm I'm a lawyer as well as a as a coach, and I've been doing it a while. And I tell other lawyers that they're you know you're not really selling legal services, you are, but I think what you're really selling um, is trust. Because as you said, Dave has hardwood, and so do ten other people, but there's a feeling that you get from him, a certain trust, that there's just something about authenticity and realness that people can feel because, um, you know, there's a million lawyers in the world that they could call, you know, A, B and C um, and they can't differentiate. Unfortunately, most people don't know the difference between me and somebody else. And I think they go on intuition and instinct. And so that's why I love this idea of congruence and authenticity. Of course, the podcast is called The Authentic Dad Podcast, because I think being real in the world, whatever that means you know, to you, is something I highly value. Um, I listened to one of your shows, and something that struck me, and I think you mentioned it just now, is that you said something along the lines of the more you deal with spirituality, the easier... Um, the breakthrough easier it is to break through that what's on the inside is going out and being true, um, of who and what you are. So it sounds like the doorway maybe for you of being real was through spirituality.
1: I, so I would say that the pursuit of being real and authentic led me deeper into spirituality. Uh, you know, when when all of this was becoming incredibly real and powerful for me uh, I I was recovering from uh, uh, cancer and uh, in a relationship that uh, was not healthy and you know the, the one the one good thing about recovering from surgery mm-hmm. is that you have lots of time and space to consider. And I guess that the one good thing that comes from cancer, especially is, is the, the difficult task of looking at yourself in the mirror and owning your mortality. Yeah. The clock is ticking. And I just, I remember, I remember asking questions of myself. Is this, is this what I want in my life? Is, is, is this the person I want to be? Are the people that are in my lives that I'm the closest to, is that what I want? Is, is this relationship what I really want? And as I, as I ran down those rabbit holes, what I found at the end of, of those holes really was this the sense that there's one. There's one constant that seems to be present in our world and in our universe, and it it, it is this this core of spirituality, this this core of divine. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what religion somebody ascribes to, whether it's Christian or Jewish, or or Muslim, uh, Hindu. I, I I could keep naming. Uh, it, I don't really care what religion you belong to, at the core of that religion is the spark of divinity. And as we come into to contact with that spark, it changes us. What
0: was your relationship to that spark before the cancer?
1: The spark was a very dim, clouded light that mm. kind of, you know, sort of oozed on and off. Uh, and I would say that that's really kind of what happened as I was recovering. Um, and it, Mm -hmm. it, I, I want to be really frank and say that that, that was like eight years ago and it's just been Mm -hmm. like the last three years Mm -hmm. that that spark has gone from that dim awareness to this vibrant Uh. filament that you, that I Cannot escape, it it Mm -hmm. it it burns so bright, and when I look at myself through that lens is when is when I really start answering honestly those questions about authenticity and integrity. Do you
0: think for those who don't believe in God have that spark? Don't have a relationship with spirituality? Two questions. One. Can you cultivate that? And two, can you be authentic and congruent in your world without having a relationship to spirituality? Is, is, is that possible?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I wanna pause on that, mm-hmm. but I'm aware of the fact that we're on a podcast and every second that you pause is like hours. And so I, I'm not gonna pause very long. I, I think I'm just gonna respond with what comes out of my heart and that is yeah. no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I I think that we are body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think you can truly be congruent without recognizing that you are body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that what may be what may be a question is how you encounter spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So during this time, the, the, only, the only time that I was really encountering, encountering spirit was if I was out getting my mountain bike dirty and hitting the trails uh, in Central Oregon, or mm-hmm. if I was slogging around hiking, uh, or if I was in the snow, snowboarding. But I experienced spirituality at that point my source for spirituality was nature. And, uh, where it, where it got clogged and and why it wasn't so available to me at all times was that I really only experienced it when I was alone in nature. So Uh when I'm in my office, when I'm in count, when I'm enclosed by four walls, that, that sense for me was harder to tap into. Um, so, I. I think even if you're a person who doesn't believe in God, I think that there still is the ability to tap into spirit. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think that tapping into spirit has to do with necessarily a belief in God. I think it has to do with uh, tapping in and experience the other. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, you could tap into spirit by
0: hearing your kids laugh or exactly yeah having having an ice cream with your spouse i think that's so so beautiful for you at some point it was mountain biking or going to nature and i think nature of course is where a lot of people connect and i know i do i i love it so thank you for that that's a that's a beautiful beautiful expanded view of of spirituality Um, i think that really resonates with a lot of people so if, if, if dads or other people are listening to this and they say, you know, I want, because you're a coach, and if somebody wants more, to show up more authentic, more congruent, so their body, their mind, their spirituality is aligned, so they can have more of an impact in the world, like, where do you start? If someone comes to you and say, I,
1: I'd like more of that, what, what, do, we, what do we do? Well, so I begin with a lot of conversation. Uh, I, uh, I sometimes will use a very formal assessment process, but more oftentimes than not, uh, I will just engage in a conversation and I'll be assessing through the conversation about where someone sees themselves at this point. And I'll be asking lots of questions about uh, when they imagine what this looks like, feels like, smells like, yeah, just des- describe it to me. And futuring, exactly. It's futuring, and uh, and then we we would come back around to you know, are there some aspects in your life where you feel connected? Mm-hmm. Are there some aspects in your life where you don't? And uh, again, working off of that that positive psychology paradigm i i would tend to work on kind of a 70 30 split when it comes to to uh, what what are things that you would like to strengthen that you're already working on and uh, you know are you, are you open to you know making a commitment to work on on strengthening those and then as we go we might we might work on some of the areas where they feel a little bit weaker uh, and see what we can do to, to strengthen those aspects. And then, you know, it really is about uh, following mm-hmm. that, that future cast and, and celebrating every success, however minute that success might be, so that celebration becomes a regular part of their life. Because I again I, I think that when you talk about spirituality, uh, the more you can connect with those those elements of joy, peace, love, uh, and and happiness, the more you are aware of the divine and the spirit. So, I I like to really spend time focused on success and those those minor celebrations that, that we have, even if it's moment by moment. Yeah. Just grab a hold of those and enjoy those, celebrate those, memorialize those so yeah. that they're they're at your fingertips when you when you encounter when you encounter difficult times.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like first we need to find out where are we right now? Like get a little clarity. Exactly. And then yeah, and then once we do that it's time to dig in and, and do the work and celebrate the um, everything, the small things. And I love the idea of having joy and peace and all of these things, no matter what the circumstances. That seems seems easy to do that when things are going great. And you know, like like they teach in yoga, you want to do this pose in rush hour traffic on the top of a building, because that's that's where the real skill comes in. And um, I I use futuring a lot with, with the people I coach. And it is really powerful. It is one of the things where people say, of all the things we talked about or did, one of the most impactful things was to close my eyes and think about when I have what I want, what would that look like, feel like, what am I doing? Who am I speaking to? How does it feel in my body? That seems to be a very, very powerful tool so I'm really glad you brought that up. I I love, I love futuring. <laughs> I guess that's the coaching term terminology for people who have never heard that. But it's yeah. basically putting yourself in that space and, and kind of taking note of, of what's happening inside of you and all of those things, having a really clear visual picture. So really interesting.
1: Well, and, and honestly, when you just, those words that you just use, I oftentimes, will have these great big giant 3M uh, mm-hmm. post-it papers and will be drawing this out like in a mind map kind of format and just trying to trying to help uh, the person I'm coaching as well as myself to visualize very clearly ob- objectively where things are great because I think that that's that's a challenge that we have so many times is that we have these images in our head. And if they're negative images, they take up all that space. If they're positive images, they're, they're susceptible to being overran by, by the the roommate in our head that wants to slam us for every negative thing. But if we, if we put them out on paper, if we journal about them, if we, if we draw pictures, if we if we can take it out of our head and put it on a piece of paper or on our our laptop or our tablet, and and see it, mm-hmm. we can own it in such a different way than if we just keep it in our head. And I I think that's a very powerful thing when we when we take it out of our head and we put it on paper, because when we put it on paper, it becomes something very real and tangible. Right.
0: Yeah, it's not a marble like moving around in the head anymore it's it's real i, think I i'd want to i forgot to point out my understanding is you only coach men is that correct
1: i that is my preference yeah i so that if you if you hear a little bit of uh, a laugh in my voice it's because mm-hmm. I, I it's funny to me i uh so my wife holly she's a consultant she uh works with uh, states and municipalities on uh, child welfare systems Trying to trying to work to create uh, family well-being uh, centers instead of welfare systems, and uh, I was talking to her about all of this, and and you know as I was thinking about women and all of the 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 the, the myriad aspects of what it is to be female, mm-hmm. I I had this long list. It was a crazy long list. And I, I brought this list, and I was talking to Holly. She's like, "Yeah," and it's even bigger than that list. All the things that we deal with, and all the things that we juggle at a time. And I said, "Well, man, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure how to have an impact on all this." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Yeah, it's because you're a man. Right? Knock it off. <laughs> Stay right. in your lane. <laughs> Stay in <laughs> so, your lane." Yeah. So she's she strongly encouraged me in the most gentle and loving way that she could at the time, you know, to really practice what I preach, right? And that is my strengths are working with guys because I am a guy. I, I know what it's like to experience cancer. I know what it's like to experience job loss. I know what it's like as a man to experience uh, families and relationships breaking up and going through divorce and and being a parent, being a father, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, as, as David pointed out the first time we met, I'm an incredibly young grandfather. Um, yeah. So, you,
0: Gosh, you are a very young looking grandfather. You look amazing.
1: So knowing all of those aspects from the standpoint of being a male, why not focus my time, my energy and attention on what it's like to be a man Yeah. instead of diving into a reality that I'm not connected with. I I have lived close to 30 years of my life with women, but that does not mean that I have a clue what it means to be a woman. Uh, so why, why pretend? And yeah, I, no. I think coming from a place of congruence, it just fit me better to, uh, to really just honor that and to work with men and keep my focus right there.
0: The way I always say it, is that men or, or fathers, that's why I decided that I wanted to gear this towards um, fathers, is we are swimming in a different water, right? Then let's say men who don't have kids, or women, or someone else. It, it doesn't mean I, I won't coach other people. Right. But there's a particular water, just like I'm a lawyer, and that's a different water than a, a plumber or an
1: accountant i i i haven't spent a lot of time with you David but mm-hmm. what I will share is is my own experience yeah I get angry a lot but how often do I actually express the anger yeah. in a safe way how often do I vocalize the anger how how often do i do i i, I make angry sounds you know yeah we we suppress that because we've been we've been cultured to such degree of believing that any negative emotions are to be held in private we're not allowed to to own those we're not allowed to cry in public we're not allowed to to vocally express anger don't don't raise your voice don't don't talk so loud don't Oh, you're being so intense. Yes. I'm being intense. I'm hurting inside. I'm, I'm angry. We, we need to, as men find safe outlets to Mm -hmm. be able to truly walk into an experience, the full range of our emotions. And I think that as we do that, it's so much easier to walk in our masculine and vice versa. As we walk in, as we seek to walk in our masculine, it's easier to really get a hold of the full range of our emotions, and I think that's huge when it comes to congruency, uh, congruence, and and really living an authentic life. If if you really want to see who I truly am, then you need to be ready to experience the full range of who I am, the the extreme happiness as well as the, the, the level of rage that can come up and and trust that I'm gonna do what I can to keep you safe <laughs> as I express those emotions. Well, yeah, and,
0: and you've, you've used several times in this conversation, you mentioned owning it. So yeah. by owning our full range of expression in a healthy way, not in a way that we're lashing out or being violent or critical, but in a way that doesn't cut yourself off from part of yourself, that's authenticity that's congruency otherwise it it seems like there's a a splitting off or creating this maybe shadow that oh i can't express that that's too dangerous that's too scary or i'm gonna hide because people might not love me or accept me well that's not authenticity and that's fear like if if i express that then what would happen maybe right my partner wouldn't love me maybe my friends and I don't think that's true. I think it would have the opposite effect if it's harnessed in a way that's real and healthy. And you know, and we're not talking about you know going out in the backyard and blowing something up. Maybe maybe you go out in the backyard and take off your shoes and just, as you said, you could yell a little bit. You could, I don't know. What, however, you want to get it out in a way that's not harmful to others.
1: Well, and you know, the most pros. The pro-social way that I know how to do that mm-hmm. is literally to take a huge, deep belly breath, mm-hmm. bring the crook of your arm up to your mouth and let it rip. Just nice. Yell your heart out into your arm, into a pillow, whatever it takes. You you don't have to be scary to anyone else. Yeah. They don't even have to know what's going on, but allowing yourself to express the energy, to express the emotion. And the funny thing is, is that the feeling, or the thought rather, the thought of rage lasts a long time. The feeling of rage, the emotion of rage is momentary. Oh, that's interesting. So when you take it out of your head and you express it physically, you can walk away from it
0: that's very not locked into it right like the rumination is could last days and if you just took it out on a pillow done exactly that's really cool yeah i never thought of it that way yeah no anger is is a part of myself that i've never been comfortable with but i am as i've said in every podcast a work in progress me too interesting i have an interesting relationship with with anger and and I th- what I've read about it is also interesting. Some say it's it's not a primary emotion, that usually it, it, there's something behind it, like a need that's not being met. Right. Or, and then others say, no, it's a signal that a boundary is, and it's good, and it's healthy, which I think is true. It's just how you express it. And maybe we just don't know enough about it. It's very interesting. I'm glad well, you brought think, that up. I think anger I think is all something.
1: Emotions, mm-hmm. I think all emotions are data. Yeah. Right. And I also think that comfort is the enemy of change. Yeah. And if if you've got an aspect of your life that you truly want to change, if you truly want to experience breakthrough, you need to open yourself up to the possibility of pain because that's it's in the crucible, it's in the fire that real change happens. So.
0: And even if you want, not even, even if you're, even if you want to write a novel, or you want to do a podcast, you are going to have to feel a little discomfort. You might have to stay up a little later and edit it. You may have to not watch the movie because you have to write the chapter. You may have to get up a little earlier. And I think that's what separates. Uh, Derek Sivers had a, I don't know if you know him. He had a, a a blog post about this. Like the the amateur from the professional. You know, the professional gets up, he does it. The amateur says, eh watches the movie you are going to have to be uncomfortable if you want to do almost anything i mean really i mean let's face it you have to do the work which is probably a whole nother podcast but i i think this is a good place to end do you um and you got anything else that i don't i don't i want you to be able to tell uh what did i miss anything important because i really want to talk about congruence and authenticity i think we really did did that pretty well
1: you know, I think we nailed it. I think uh I think that we hit things well. I uh and at least space if you know, at least mm-hmm. space if we want to do this again. Uh yeah. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you, David. I really appreciate uh the opportunity to spend time with you on your show. And I hope that uh I I hope that the conversation, you know, sparks mm-hmm. the interest of, of dads out there. And uh I hope so too. Of, of guys in general that uh, for one reason or another just really need the space and the permission to to feel and to be real that uh you know that this would this would start them perhaps on a journey beautifully so. said and
0: I loved hearing about your journey I had no idea you had cancer and had an amazing career and very interesting life experiences that you're bringing into what you're doing and making a huge impact. And if people want to reach out to you and your coaching, where would they find you?
1: Well, so Leadwell is my my parent company that I created for consulting and mm-hmm. organizational development. Uh, my coaching is primarily out of uh, congruentmen.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, folks can reach me at congruentmen.com. You can send me an email at scott at com, and I'd be happy to talk with you. And uh, that's the nice thing about uh, doing podcasts with other coaches is that as mm-hmm. you learn more about each other's practices, yeah. you, you get a really good feel for man, this, this is somebody that I think I could work really great with or, Oh man, you know what? I think David would be great to work with this yeah. person. So uh, I, I look forward to, uh being able to learn more about your work and your practice and to be able to send guys your way that that really you know uh aspects around career and fatherhood yeah and the head trip that it is to be a dad it because it's a it's a deal and uh i look forward to being able Mm -hmm. to, to send some guys your way in the future
0: well, being, being a grandfather is a l- little bit lighter, huh?
1: It is. It is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it is lighter and uh, heavier in other ways because okay. you really recognize where mistakes that you made show right. up in your grandkids. And I was like, oh, <laughs> crap. I see exactly oh, how man. that happened.
0: Two generations yeah. later, and it's still, my stuff's still out there.
1: Damn. Well, and I, you know, I think I think for your clients and my clients pay attention to that yeah two generations later the stuff is still going on absolutely if you're sick if you're sick and tired of seeing patterns go on and on throughout the generations you you need you need to suck it up and yeah. and start working with a coach to to change your life because as you change your life you will change the generations that come and your legacy. And- Be the
0: person that that it stops right here. So 100 years exactly. from now, some poor kid isn't dealing with the same crap. Exactly. That's perfect. a great place to end. A perfect perfect ending. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. You too. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. And there you have it. Episode six of the Authentic Dad podcast is a wrap. Thanks again very much to Scott Willard. I really enjoy talking to him. He's a fascinating guy. Lots of insight, lots of experience. Um, Didn't know Scott. Somebody suggested that I talk to him, and I'm glad I did. It was a great suggestion. Maybe we'll have him on again. Please consider again doing that five-star review. I hope you're well, safe, healthy, and I hope you listen next week. I hope to release one every single week until I don't. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Take care.